Welcome to the Alive Podcast, a place for you to be a part of real life conversations that help you to let go of resistance, believe in your power, and feel less alone with all of the things that come with being human. I'm Michaela, a hypnotherapist and spiritual mentor. And I'm Lindsay, a manifestation coach here to simplify the science behind attracting the life you desire. We both believe that we become who we surround ourselves with, and we want to be here to inspire you to see all that you're capable of, feel seen without judgment, and discover what makes your soul come alive. We're so grateful to have you here with us. So when you're ready, sit back, relax, and get ready to open your heart, expand your mind, and see your life through a brand new perspective. Welcome back to the Alive Podcast with Michaela and Lindsay. We're so excited you guys are here. We're diving in as promised into one of our favorite topics about relationships and how Michaela and I have manifested our partners and kind of what we've gone through in our journey to find love. So I'm going to kick it off with you, Michaela. I know this is your expertise. <laughs> You're so educated in the area of relationship. You know, I, I think a lot of that is probably attributed to the way that you grew up, but you've taught me so much about being a conscious partner in relationships and really understanding how to communicate effectively. And you've built such a beautiful relationship yourself uh, with Tyler. And I feel like everyone's really going to benefit from everything that you know and have applied to your life in the area of relationships. So I'm excited for this topic. Me too. As you said, I love to talk about relationships. For those of you who don't know, I grew up with two therapist parents who specialized in marriage counseling growing up. And while I got to watch them in a healthy relationship my whole life, which I am so grateful for, I've also been on a journey of many different types of relationships in my life, some that were healthy and some that were not so healthy. That taught me a lot. So I feel like everything that I've gone through in my relationships, in my life, and then everything that I've witnessed has really given me a lot of perspective around what makes a healthy relationship and what doesn't. And I'm really grateful for everything that I've experienced, even a lot of pain, like being cheated on and having really, you know, emotionally manipulative partners in my life and things like that. Every little thing that I've gone through has taught me so much and has gotten me to where I am today with Tyler, who I've been with for four and a half years. And I used to project a really happy relationship on social media with my past partners when things were not good. And this is the first time that I've realized that it actually can be that good. It actually can be as beautiful and as harmonious as it looks. And that's not to say that we don't fight and we haven't gone through our ups and downs, but this is the first time that I've truly experienced what it's like to be in a relationship that has so much unconditional love and support. And I would love to just share all about how I've gotten there with you guys. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, like, even though you've grown up with such, you know, conscious parents in the area of like relationships and like being led that way by their example, I feel like that still doesn't prevent you from having these experiences of attracting partners that are not necessarily good for you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, bringing it back to the healthy versus unhealthy, like you and I have had such different upbringings with that. Like you saw a really healthy relationship with your parents. And I had a very broken experience where my, my parents separated when I was eight months old. So I never really got to see what a healthy relationship looked like. I had no idea. So, you know, what, what's kind of been your experience 
in, in terms of like maybe the first partners that you've had and what you had to go through to get to the point where you're able to have a healthy conscious relationship? I think the number one thing that leads to a healthy relationship is really knowing yourself, knowing your values, what you need from a partner and not backing down from that. I think there's the big thing that I felt in the relationship that I had that wasn't so healthy was that I questioned myself a lot. And I didn't know if the things that I was asking for were too much. And so if I was called crazy or if I was being gaslit, sometimes I would just think, well, maybe he's right. Maybe I am asking for too much. Maybe this need that I have is something that I'm never going to get from a partner or this feeling of safety. I'm never going to get that. And so when I didn't trust myself and didn't trust the values that I had, I was very easily manipulated into staying with someone and putting up with things that actually I didn't need to put up with. And my needs were actually very valid. And I questioned that a lot. So I think the number one thing is knowing yourself and you're right. Witnessing a healthy relationship growing up did not give me that sense of self-worth. I've seen a healthy relationship play out, but I was never taught how to really trust myself. And my parents were incredible role models, but they weren't the most proactive in telling me, oh, this is what you need for a healthy relationship, or this is what you need to build self-love. They just kind of led by example. And I wasn't always so drawn to learning from them. I just wasn't ready to take that in because I really know that my soul was meant to go through these experiences of really difficult relationships because it's something that I know I'm meant to teach on. Yeah. And I think like there's a sort of this like narcissistic type of experience that a lot of us go through in relationships and, you know, just in personally working with people, I feel like there's so many of us men and women that are drawn to and attracted to partners that maybe don't love us or don't treat us the right way or don't respect us. And so I love what you said, because I think really in those experiences, it's about taking the ownership of really setting boundaries for yourself and establishing like, Hey, no, you are doing something that's disrespectful to me. So I'm not going to participate in that. And I know that was, that was sort of my journey. Like I just wanted to be loved. I wanted to feel like I was enough. And so I would attract partners that would basically affirm to me that I didn't love myself. I didn't value myself. And there's such a gift in that, right? There's, there's so much growth that we get to experience within the confines of a relationship if you're willing to stop blaming other people for where you're at. And I know that's something that I've really learned, especially in my relationship. Now I'm very kind of newly in a relationship. And, and it's interesting that it sometimes it's like, you're going to attract a different person. Yes, but you carry the issues with you. You know, it's like, we think that by jumping ship and getting into another relationship that we're leaving the problems behind, but we're really just attracting it in a different face. So yes. do you, what, do you have experience with that? <laughs> totally. I, the biggest thing for me in relationships, my whole life stemmed from my first experience actually in seventh grade. And I used to make fun of myself for how much this affected me. Cause I just, you think of a relationship in middle school is not a big deal, but the foundation that we set for relationships in our life actually does affect us. And we're attracting those people into our lives because they're mirroring to us the things that we need to work on in the areas where, you know, we haven't really looked at ourselves yet. So in my very first relationship, 
it was at a point in my life where I was really struggling. I think that seventh grade was one of the hardest years for me in regards to body image. I was dealing with a binge eating disorder. I really didn't like myself and I didn't, there, there wasn't a lot about me that I was proud of and I didn't speak kindly to myself. And I was always comparing myself to other girls and just felt really insecure. And so when this boy in my class was interested in me, I, for the first time felt worthy and I felt, wow, maybe I am lovable. Maybe I am beautiful. And started to question all of these negative beliefs that I had about myself. And I had no idea how to be in a relationship at that time. So I just dove right in and I just showered him with my love. And I just wanted to talk to him all the time. And I had no clue how to give anybody space. I didn't really have a sense of self. So it was a very dramatic version of like a clingy girlfriend all at once. And I just at the time, I didn't understand why I was pushing him away by doing that. So I just felt immediately within the first few weeks of dating that he was feeling like he needed space for me. And he really liked me at first and then just pulled away so fast. And that was kind of a pattern that I got into for a while of needing male validation, needing somebody to notice me and to want to be with me, to help me escape all of those feelings that I was having about myself to help prove mm -hmm. me wrong. And so I feel like my whole life up until, you know, my early twenties, I was seeking somebody to fill that really hard feeling inside of me to just pull me out of that and make me feel worthy. And that's why you know, some of the relationships that I had were so hard for me because when there is that initial attraction and that phase where I haven't really fallen for them yet and I'm still have my own thing going on and you know the man would be chasing me, that would feel really good for me. But as soon as I would open up my heart and want to be with them, that's when I started to feel like I really needed them because that feeling of being wanted felt so good and filled this deep hole that I had inside of me. And it would just lead me to be with people who would abuse that. It, it led the men that I was with to feel like they could do anything and that I wouldn't leave them. And mm. that is one of the biggest lessons that I had to learn before I could be solid and secure in the relationship that I have now. Chills. Cause I mean, I can so relate to that. It's like, we teach people how to treat us. Yeah. You know, if you're tolerating things, if you're allowing certain behaviors, if you're not standing up for yourself, if you're not walking away when you're disrespected, you're, you're basically saying that that's okay. You know, mm -hmm. you're, you're sending the message of what you believe your value to be. So of course you're going to get that in response because you're not asking someone to step up. And I think that it was the key difference between most of my past relationships and the relationship that I'm in now is that in the beginning, there were things that I maybe didn't really approve of or, or like or want. And I was at this, this place where I could say, that doesn't work for me. I'm not going to participate in that. And in that, knowing my value and my worth was an invitation to him to decide whether or not he was going to step up to the plate and address the things that maybe weren't necessarily healthy in his life. Right. But we have to take the initiative to set that parameter. And I think that the boundaries, that's where it's at. Yeah. And if you are coming from that place of, oh my God, I need this person to make me feel whole. I need this person to help me escape from these deeply rooted insecurities that I have. You're afraid to set those boundaries because you're so afraid of losing them. And 
So that's when you start to question yourself. Am I asking for too much? Maybe it isn't worth it to set this boundary. Maybe I just need to stay with this person so that I can avoid that pain of being alone and having to go back into the the depths with myself. Yeah. You know, David and I were just talking about, David's my boyfriend, by the way, we were talking about this the other night about like the core differences between men and women. And I, I hear this all the time. It's like women just want to express themselves and their emotions. <laughs> we just want to like talk about our feelings and men just simply want to fix things and they just want to like get to the solution. And how have you been able to balance both being an emotional, maybe sensitive person in the confines of a relationship? Like how have you been able to build that connection with Tyler to where you feel safe and seen and heard um, in your relationship? In the beginning, it was just a lot of arguing and yelling back and forth. <laughs> in fact, we're normal. <laughs> yeah. And then um, we got to this point where this is why I say the number one thing in a healthy relationship is knowing yourself, because as long as I knew that every emotion that I was having was valid, which I, after a lot of work on myself from that really heavy relationship that I had moving into this relationship, I was able to kind of zoom out of that past relationship and see, oh, everything that I was feeling this whole time was valid. Maybe I wasn't expressing it the right way. And I absolutely was not perfect in that relationship, but I could really see that every emotion that I had that popped up, that I tried to talk about that was invalidated, that was not okay. And I mm -hmm. was really able to look at myself in the mirror and validate myself and validate all of those emotions that I felt. And then moving into this relationship, I knew that I was never going to let anybody talk me out of my feelings again. But I also knew that I couldn't expect Tyler to know exactly how to show up for me in those moments. If I wasn't clear with myself about how I needed him to show up. And if I didn't communicate that to him, I think a lot of us just have this vision in our minds of how we want our partners to show up. And we expect them to know that without the communication piece. And so we get mad at them for not caring for us in the way that we're needing, but we cannot expect our partners to just know how to love us and to know how to be there for us. So I think the most important piece in helping your partner move out of that savior role and into a space where they're actually able to be supportive of you is communicating what it would feel like if your partner did receive you in the right way, if they did validate your feelings, because we get so hung up with, oh, you're not doing it right. You're just trying to fix things. You don't know how to hold space for me. You don't know how to love me through this, but you're not telling them what that would look like for you. And it's different for everybody. I know for me, when I am going through something and I'm trying to open up about it, I just need love. I need to be held. I need to be seen in that. And that could just look like, I'm here with you. I'm holding this with you. And he doesn't even have to say the right thing as long as there's love there. But when somebody jumps into solutions immediately, and I think this is a really important thing to understand. If your partner or you are trying to come to solutions immediately when your partner is hurting, it's because you are uncomfortable with the fact that they are upset. You are uncomfortable with the emotion that they're expressing. And it's actually really self-serving to try and fix that for somebody because you're doing it because you want to feel comfortable again. You don't want to be fighting. You don't want to be in this heavy emotion with them because it's scary to go there. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to watch your partner in pain. You don't want that. But in order for your partner to feel empowered moving through something like that, 
they need to come to the solution on their own. And the best way that they can get there is if they feel loved and supported by you. And if they ask you for a solution, that's completely different. But to really be able to love someone in their pain is the best way to support them. Mm, yeah. I, I think the the question too, I've tried to practice is like, do you want comfort or do you want solutions? Mm. Like, do you just want me to hear you and see you and feel what you know with you and be there with you? Or do you want me to help you find a solution? I think that question can save a lot of relationships. Definitely. And asking that at the right time too is important because in my experience, and this could be different for everyone, but most people, when they're coming to you to talk about something that they went through, really just want to be held in that first. And then after asking, do you, do you still just want comfort or do you want to like talk about possible solutions? And it's really hard to hold yourself back, especially when you feel like you have an answer for someone that could really help them. That's been incredibly challenging for me. And I'm sure it is for you as well, being a coach and having all of these tools and being like, oh, you should just do this and everything will be better. And I, I still do that all the time. I'm not saying that I'm perfect at this at all, but if we're talking about how to best support your partner and how to make your partner feel loved, I really do feel like it's just being there and holding it with them. Yeah. What would you say are some green flags to look for in relationships? Because you know, I know we always talk about the red flags. So what are mm -hmm. some like green flags to look for in a in a partner in a relationship? Yes, that is such a good question. I really feel like the biggest green flag for me is how you feel after an argument. Fighting is normal. It's part of learning how to be in a partnership with someone and how to share a life with someone. You are two separate human beings trying to come together and coexist in harmony, especially when you move in together and you're starting to spend more time together. Conflict arises when you spend time with another person that much. That's just normal. And when you also really care about that person and the way that they feel and the way that you guys are interacting and there's an attachment to how the relationship is going to be, it's normal to fight. And I'm not saying that there should be conflict all of the time, but I think especially in the beginning phases of a relationship, it's normal because of that learning phase. And through that conflict, it can be rocky, it can be explosive, but at the end of the conflict, after you've talked it through, there should always be this feeling of like deeply resolved. Mm. There's nothing else lingering in me about this anymore. I, there's not, no words left unsaid. Both of us feel closer. You might even feel like you have almost leveled up in your relationship after because, wow, we can get through that and feel even closer. So that means that we can handle conflict as it arises and inevitably it will. And you can just continue to grow through that. And I think that's like one of the biggest green flags is that deep feeling of being resolved that I never felt in the relationship that I was talking about when I was 19. I never felt that. I always felt like he just didn't get it. He just mm. couldn't hold space for me. He just couldn't see my side of things. And no matter what I did, I never felt that. And now that I know what that feels like, I'm like, oh my God, mm -hmm. this is what it means to be in a divine partnership with someone. Yeah. Because that, that person hasn't quite met themselves. You know, it's like, we expect people to be able to hold space for our emotions, but they really aren't even doing that for themselves. They don't know how to do that for themselves. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's like, when we don't express even the littlest things, 
even the tiny things that maybe, you know, kind of bothered us or, you know, made us feel a certain way. When we swallow that, we invalidate our own emotions and then it builds up. I've noticed like it will build and build and build. And so where you have this maybe seemingly really small thing that turns into an explosion because you haven't addressed all the little nagging things that come up for you. And I think I found a lot of value in, in recognizing, okay, like you said, this feeling I'm having is valid. And how can I articulate this from a, Hey, this is how I feel because of maybe my perception. This is the experience I'm having rather than you're doing this thing to me. You need to stop doing that. Don't talk. Like, it's like, we come off with that sort of attitude and tone. It's of course, it's going to be met with defensiveness, Mm -hmm. right? Because someone, you feel attacked by someone. So being able to have those conversations coming from a place of, I feel rather than you did, I think has been one of the biggest resolves for me in my relationship. Totally. It's addressing something without blame and that usually comes from someone who is able to take space between mm-hmm. the trigger and the communication about the trigger. So at first when you're triggered, sometimes you just, it feels blurry. You feel blocked from those spaces within you that can really communicate from your heart. You're just spewing negativity. Like why? why is that? Why does that happen? Because I'm like, I resort back to being like 10 years old or something. And it's just like, you can't see, you don't have the perspective of like, oh, let me zoom out, you know, like, so what, first of all, why is that? And what do you do when you're in that? Like, how do you navigate that? Yeah. I mean, I, if I had the answer, I would definitely stop doing it, but I, I do it sometimes. And I think that's one of the things that I really want to be authentic about is that I can share all of these solutions and all of these ways that you know, I've best learned to communicate in my relationship, but I'm not perfect with it 100% of the time. And I think it's witnessing my parents growing up. They've been together my entire life and they do this too. I see them get childish with each other sometimes. And I think it's one being able to become aware of that. And that's really what a personal growth journey is all about is that self-awareness of okay, I'm in this sensation right now. I just did something a little bit childish and I'm going to take ownership of that. I'm going to, I'm going to look at myself and I'm going to see that. And maybe I'm even going to laugh at myself a little bit because when you say it's like your 10 year old self or a child inside of you, it literally is a child inside of you who is being so deeply triggered and just doesn't feel heard and is going to do whatever they can to get their need met. And so if you can see that, you can start to have compassion with yourself and give that part of you what they're looking for, which is just love. Usually it's just being seen. It's just telling that part, your needs are valid. And what you were trying to communicate is valid, but we need to figure out a way to communicate it from a loving space inside of us, because it's not, we're not going to be able to get what we want, but I'm going to give you what you need. Like Mm -hmm. me speaking to my inner child, I'm going to give you what you need so that we together can learn to communicate this and make sure that it's in a way that will be received. And so one of the hardest things for me has always been in an argument taking space. Mm. I want to work it out and I want to work it out now. (laughs) Even 10 minutes of space feels like agony to me, but that has been my big lesson is knowing that if I take space, if me and Tyler take 30 minutes away from each other, or even 10 minutes away from each other, 
And that is where we can do the questioning of, is this coming from my inner child? Like, where is this reaction coming from? Collecting yourself to be able to communicate from the heart. And if you don't do that, it just continues to escalate usually. And one of the reasons I wasn't able to do that was because in past relationships, space could mean a day of not talking and then coming back together and trying to sweep the issue under the rug, more invalidation, no self-reflection. And that was too painful for me. So a a green flag for me is somebody who can take that space and do the self-reflection instead of distracting themselves, numbing out, and then wanting to come back and pretending like it didn't happen because that is just a recipe for disaster in my opinion. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I I think for me, the space triggers my abandonment wound. So, you know, I growing up and having my dad not really around and experiencing like not really being loved and seen. It's like when someone leaves, it means they're not coming back. Right. And all of that fear, it's like you go into a panic and I can, I literally viscerally feel it in my body to where I'll start to shake and I can't breathe. And I go into like a a trauma response Mm -hmm. of like, this person is going to leave me and they're not coming back. And the space means that they're just questioning our our relationship. And then they're going to come back and break up with me. It's like the whole narrative goes into this go again, going back to that child self of fearing being abandoned. So do you have any advice? Like if there's someone listening to this, it's like, oh my God, I'm, you know, I'm dealing with that anytime someone wants to walk away. I feel anxious. Is there anything that you recommend that you can do to help with that type of wound? Talk about your arguments when you're not arguing, talk about what's going on at that time. So for me, we talked about what I'm experiencing when I really want us to just keep talking and work it, work it out so that Tyler knows, okay, Michaela is really afraid right now. What is one thing that I can say to reassure her before we take space that I'm going to come back? And so maybe it's just, I just need, I just need five minutes. Just telling me the amount of time that he needs is really, really helpful to help me self-soothe and to know, okay, he's coming back. And then also to know from experience that he does come back and Mm. that just takes time. It takes moving through these fights and breathing through it and seeing a partner, witnessing a partner, feeling a partner who leaves for the amount of time they said they were going to leave, reflects, thinks about it, and then comes back with more love for me. Mm. And that was the thing that really helped me to get comfortable with it was, okay, this is good. This is good that we have this space because he's coming back in a space where he's more able to hear me. I'm coming back in a space where I'm self-soothing. So that's the other thing is breathing through it, hugging yourself, just holding yourself. And it's going to feel painful. There's nothing I could tell you to do that would talk you out of that feeling of abandonment, that feeling of fear that they're not going to come back. You just have to breathe through it at that time. And the more you start to learn that he's going to come back and it's, Mm -hmm. we're going to resolve this and we're going to be okay either way. It starts to help to heal that wound. At least for me, it did. Yeah. You're, you're reinforcing that there's safety in that Mm -hmm. experience. Like this person isn't pulling away because they are aware I have a wound and they're trying to re like make it worse. And they're trying to work against me, but they're genuinely trying to take space so that there's no, no more damage 
yes. created. And I think having that awareness to know that when you're work when you're working together with a healthy partner, it's going to feel safe. Yeah. When you're working with an unhealthy partner, it's going to feel volatile and unsafe. Right. You know, and just that recognition of what it kind of feels like, like, yes, like you said, we're going to have conflict. There's going to be things we have to work through, but at the end of the day, do I feel safe? To me, I know that's a big thing in, in my relationship is like, I just, I have to feel safe. Otherwise I can't open my, I can't be the soft, loving, feminine version of myself when I don't feel safe. Yeah. You're going to get the opposite. And I call it like the, the warrior in me. It's like the fire comes out this version of myself that I, I don't want to have to be in a relationship. I had to spend so much of my life in that warrior mode of just like, you know, you're not going to get close to me. If, if there's just any hint, you're going to leave me. I'm going to leave you first. Very protective of my heart. But I realized I wanted love, but I wasn't letting it in. I couldn't let it in because I was afraid of it. To me, that lo- opening my heart meant I was going to get hurt. And yeah. it's like working through all of those stories and things from your past to be able to let that go and open your heart again, you know, and there's probably people listening that have been in relationships where there's been damage and trauma and you've been hurt. Maybe you've been cheated on and there's betrayal and opening your heart again feels really scary. And, um, you know, so what would you suggest maybe to someone that is in the single phase has kind of gone through some difficult experiences and relationships and is really wanting a partner, but is still kind of afraid of opening their heart. Like what are some things you would suggest? That's exactly where I was at when I met Tyler. Like I had this desire to open my heart and to be with him and to dive into this, but it all kind of stemmed from that feeling that I had in my relationship in seventh grade. And then the relationship that I had in college was an even more dramatic version of me loving someone so fully, giving them everything that I had. And at the end of the day, still feeling like that wasn't enough for them to treat me the right way. And so when I met Tyler, I just had a lot of walls up because I have all of this love within me and I always, it's always been there, but I learned that if I gave that love too freely and that if I opened my heart to someone that they wouldn't treat me right. And that I would end up heartbroken. And it's easy to feel like something's wrong with you when you have those walls up. But I truly think that those walls can be our greatest protectors. And it's just important to understand that the walls are there because of the hurt that you experienced in the past. And it's okay to take things slow. And that's what Tyler and I did is we took things slow and it allowed me to enter into our relationship in a different way that I had entered into other relationships. It was like, I'm going to let you show me who you are. And as he did show me who he was, as he showed me that he was loving and caring and trustworthy, my heart slowly started to thaw out. I could feel myself telling myself, okay, it's safe to love him. It's safe to continue to move forward with him. And sometimes it would feel like I took 10 steps forward and then moved backward again. 
with little things that would come up that would trigger that fear inside of me. But ultimately, I just let him show me who he was. And as he did, that was what helped me to open up my heart again to another person. So I wouldn't view your heart being closed off as a bad thing necessarily. You have to give yourself permission to slowly open it up again and to slowly start to get curious if you can experience love in a different way. But just know that it's a protector and it's there to serve you if you can not let it control you and not let it hold you back from love because ultimately you are strong enough to experience heartbreak. You are strong enough to experience betrayal or whatever it is that you know, you might go through when you open yourself up to love, but life is not worth living if you close yourself off to the experiences that are available to you because you're too afraid to feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think too, like, I want to hear your perspective on this, but I did a lot of work trying to manifest my partner. Like I made lists, I visualized, I did all these things, but at some point, do you feel like we switch into a, maybe a fairy tale mode in our mind of what we think the relationship should look like and do you feel like that um is a disservice to us and like how to kind of manage expectations when it comes to attracting a partner and manifesting and all of that while not being like overly in a fantasy world about that yeah, does that make sense definitely I, the thing with manifestation is that I would just caution people to stay away from trying to manifest a perfect person. Sometimes we get so obsessed with this like list and vision that we create in our minds because when you're manifesting something, you want to be really, really clear about what that looks like and what that feels like, but you're not manifesting a job or a home or a car. You're manifesting another person in your life and other people have free will. So being so dead set on how your partner looks and how your partner behaves and striving for this perfection in someone it might be the only thing that I would say is unrealistic to manifest only because I believe that our souls come here to learn through our relationships with other people. So instead of focusing on manifesting this like picture perfect human that you've created in your mind, I would suggest to stay open to what shows up for you and just ask to be shown who you are meant to be with that is going to help elevate you to your next level, who is going to be a soulmate match for you. And when you meet that person, they might not already be everything that you want them to be. And this is something that I've talked about a lot. There's this narrative that you can't change people. And I think a lot of us use that as an excuse to run away at the first sign of conflict or at the first sign that someone isn't exactly perfect for us right when we meet them. But if you can just know that every single relationship that comes into your life is there to teach you something and you show up as a person who knows their worth and is communicating what you are needing and what your vision is for the relationship, that person might not be able to meet you in that vision and that's okay. But the person that you're meant to be with will honor your sense of self-worth and they're going to want to learn how to be in a relationship with you. So yeah, I'm not saying to not have standards and not have a vision. You can absolutely manifest your dream partner, but sometimes that person comes to you and they're at a place where they're needing to learn how to be in a partnership because you're still needing to learn that too. Yeah. And you can't have perfectionism with vulnerability. Right. 
right? So to expect someone to be perfect and, you know, I struggle with this. It's like, okay, well, if I can have anything that I want, then you should be this way. (laughs) But then you have to like really look at yourself and be like, but am I am I showing up as my best self? No, not all the time. Like I have things too. And for me to expect someone else to be perfect, but I, I'm not like, it's not, that's, that's not realistic. Like you said, you have to be real with your, with yourself and with your partner and allow for those ebbs and flows, you know, allow for the, the, the moments of contrast to come in to help you to further clarify. It's the only way that we really learn. So not holding your partner to this unrealistic expectation, which I think it's ultimately a protective mechanism anyway. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, one flaw. Okay, bye. I'm on to the next <laughs> relationship. I know I had a therapist one time tell me that I had love addiction and that I was uh, <laughs> Julia Roberts and Runaway Bride. She's like, that's who you are. It's like, as soon as you get to the altar, you bolt. And it's like, we find these flaws in other people as a way to be like, oh, well, you're the one that's wrong and I'm, and I'm right. And I'm going to, I'm going to head out, but really it's like, we're afraid that they're going to see our flaws. So we find theirs first. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's just a big awareness that I've had. Um, and then, you know, I wanted to get your take too, on the whole manifesting a specific person back. (laughs) It's like a huge thing on TikTok (laughs) that makes me want to like, just grab my ass (laughs) Yeah, I think that that comes again from that place of attachment to another person because they filled some type of void within you and you just believe that they are the only person who can heal you. They're the only person that can fill that void within you. So I think needing to manifest another person in order to feel whole or in order to feel like your life is going in the right direction that when you get fixated on that one specific person, you can't possibly see that maybe there's something inside of you that you need to look at, to work on, to feel whole again. And also that there are so many people in this world and 8 billion. (laughs) And I know it can be so challenging to separate from somebody that you had a really positive connection with. But I think what can be helpful is to say, if this person is here for my highest good and is meant to be with me, and if they are truly my soulmate and I'm meant to spend my life with them, then there is nothing that can get in the way from that happening. And to really go into that, because if you manifest from that place, you'll get that or someone even better, someone who meets Mm -hmm. even more of, you know, your dreams or expectations of a partner, you will get that soulmate. You will get that person. But if you're attached to that other person, you're just going to keep holding yourself back from whatever it is that you're meant to experience. Yeah. It's coming from lack. Mm -hmm. Like this is the only person on the whole planet (laughs) that can make me happy. It's the only, and it, you know, we, we get in that because we sometimes think like I put so much energy into this person. I put so much time you know, we have all this history, we have all these memories. So this must be the person. And like you said, you just kind of have to recognize that what's meant for you will come to you mm-hmm. and you don't have to force it and you don't have to chase it. That it's actually more so about, you know, letting them go and continuing to focus on yourself. So that kind of brings me into like someone right now that is wanting, like they're wanting to move into a partnership. They want to have a relationship. Maybe they're it's just not happening. You know, there's not, it's been years and they're not meeting anyone and they're not having this love come into their life. And they're starting to feel this sense of like loneliness, or maybe it's not going to happen for me. 
how can you work through that season and allow yourself to begin to prepare for that? It's to me, it's the same as any desire. It's about kind of zooming out of your life and seeing that you have this attachment to this desire. And right now in this phase of your life, the reality is that that desire hasn't yet manifested. And you're spending a lot of time in resistance of that. You're spending so much time just fighting against that and wanting things to change and obsessing over that, that you might be missing this very valuable phase of your life where you're meant to be focusing on something else. I think more often than not, it's focusing on what makes your soul come alive and what makes you feel love, what makes you feel joy, what makes you feel passion. But because there is all of this societal pressure to have a partner and to find that person and to commit to them and get married and go through this path in life, so many of us feel this gaping hole if we don't find that. And you know, it's not something that I feel like I can really speak to you from experience, but I have other things in my life that kind of give me that feeling of like, oh my God, this desire, like I can't be whole without it. And to me, I always like to look at where I'm resisting and recognize that I'm really creating my own misery by resisting what is and to pivot my focus onto things that are available to me right now. And I know that's really challenging to hear, but Often when we find the thing that makes our soul come alive, we also find other people, friends who can be like soulmates and partners who who we have so much in common with. So when you're so focused on just trying to find that person, you might be missing a whole path in your life that you're meant to take that will give you even more than just that person. Yeah. It's like, I, I think like if you can look at yourself too and go, okay, would I want to date me? Like, am I someone I would want to date? And and if the answer is no, then work on falling in love with yourself and falling in love with your life and embracing that season to the best of your ability, because there's going to be a time when, you know, there's another person that you have to factor their needs into your life. So really cherish the fact that you can make whatever dinner you want to make for yourself. You can watch whatever you want on TV. You can go to bed at whatever time you want to go. There's, there's a benefit and a blessing in every season that if you can really just honor that instead of seeing it as a negative thing and embracing it, I, I I know personally that I've met people, I've had partners come into my life genuinely when I was like, I don't give a shit. I'm happy. My life is awesome. I'm having a great time. I love what I'm doing. I love who I'm doing it with. It's like I was passionate about my life. And so that is attractive. That's magnetism. Mm-hmm. Like if you're coming from a place of like, I've I love my life. I love what I'm doing. I love who I am. Then people are going to, they're going to see that they're going to gravitate towards you and they're going to want what you've got. So again, do all the things that you think someone else is going to give to you, do them for yourself. Yeah. What are some things that you did in those phases, specific things that really helped you to feel like in flow with where you were at in your life? I kind of asked myself, like, if I had a partner, what would I be doing? you know, what am I waiting on a partner to do? And I started doing those things like going to museums or going on a weekend vacation by myself, enjoying the things that I thought I needed a partner for was, it it liberated me from feeling like I was in shame. I was imprisoning myself and holding myself back from experiences because I was waiting for something to happen. So that really helped me. 
Um, I would say I practice visualization a lot during this phase to give myself the feeling of like, oh, it's not missing. I can access this feeling of love within me at any time. I don't need a person because that's really all it is. It's we, we get into relationships and they give us permission to feel the love that we already have inside of us. So if you can stop waiting for someone to feel that and feel it within yourself, whether it's through, um, you know, visualizing or watching corny, sappy movie, whatever you have to do to kind of feel that feeling within you now to recognize that it's, it's not missing. It's here already. There's nothing that you, you have to wait for to access that, to feel that. And living from that place of love, I think that's what allowed me to kind of get into this flow of like, I am abundant in love already. I have an abundance of love around me. And I would buy myself flowers. I would make, I would spend the time to make myself nice dinners. Cause these are the things that I thought I'd be doing with a person, but you don't have to wait for that. And in fact, when you don't wait for it, it's actually when it can come in. Yes, totally. And the thing is too, that you could manifest a partner before doing all of that stuff, but that's a lesson that you will learn within the partnership too. And I, I think that's something that I've really experienced is, um, my deep need to spend quality time with Tyler was not a need that he had. He was even us just being in the same home together, made him feel connected. Like his love language is different than mine. And I think that showed up for me because I was also meant to learn that lesson. And it has been incredibly painful, even being with a partner who I don't feel wants to do all of those things with me. It's teaching me that at the end of the day, my relationship with myself is the most important thing that I can work on. And even having a partner that you think is going to fill all of those voids and is going to do all of those things with you. And sometimes that's not actually the way that it works out. And we still do amazing things together and we spend great quality time together, but that is my need. And it's not necessarily his. And that's something that I've had to really work through and grieve throughout this relationship and ask myself if, if that's something that I'm, you know, okay with, if that is something that I can really work on and feel whole again within myself. And it's something that I'm working on every single day is to take myself on those dates still and have that relationship with myself. So it's not something that ever really goes away. You think if you manifest the partner, you're not going to have to feel that anymore. And the truth is that one of the biggest lessons that we have to learn in this life is to create that relationship with it within ourselves and to really cultivate that sense of fun and joy and love for life from within and not be reliant on anybody else for it. A hundred percent. We can't expect people to make us happy and meet all of our needs all the time. And to want to do all of the same things as us. And right. <laughs> it's just it's like, that, that's, that's just not realistic. You know, I think one of the questions too, to ask when you get into a new relationship is how do you receive love and how do you give love? If you can understand how your partner receives love and gives love, that's to me, that unlocked a huge door. Cause it's mm -hmm. like, oh, your way of showing that you love me is by doing all of these things. But the way I receive love is by you coming up and giving me a hug and, and holding me. Yeah. So you're giving me the love, but I'm not receiving it because I have a need for it to be received in a different way. But if you can understand those things about each other, you can work together. Yeah. Five Love Languages is a book that I recommend. It's really short and I recommend every couple reads it. Even You don't even have to read the whole book. Just know the love languages. It's mm -hmm. quality time, physical touch, 
acts of service, words of affirmation. What's the fifth one? Do you know? Um, and gifts. Yes. Yeah. Well, so, we all receive love in those five ways, you know, like we're, I, I think that we all want each of those, but there's, there's a way that we receive it more. And this goes back to full circle, the beginning of the podcast, where it's really about knowing yourself, mm-hmm. you know, you got to know yourself. It, it's interesting how, you know, we think about when we get into a relationship with someone, it's like, what do you have to share with that person, right? What are the things that you love to do? What are the things that excite you? What lights you up? What are you passionate about? that you can contribute to in that relationship instead of looking for someone to bring that into your life, to bring infuse your life with passion, create that passion so that you have that to share because you want to, you want to be coming from overflow, especially with love. You know, if you feel a gaping hole and you're looking to fill it, then you're going to learn a lesson. But when you access the infinite love within yourself, you give it freely. You can just give it away and give it away with, you know, ultimately having boundaries, obviously, but it's, it it is, it's within you. It's not without you. Yeah. And being in a relationship will absolutely teach you that it's, you can learn these lessons before you can learn it during a relationship, but uh, we all have to learn them. We all have to go through them. And I don't think there's anyone that really escapes that in life. I've had some people ask me, um, what about people who manifest their soulmates at 16? And there's the thing that I always say is there's no certainty in ever in anything. There's mm-hmm. no certainty in anything in this life. And so even if you've manifested your person at 16, first of all, you're going to have to learn all of the same lessons. You're going to have to work through your childhood trauma together. And you're going to have to do that with a partner who's constantly triggering you. You're going to have to ask yourself, did I get into this too quickly? Did I miss out on something in my life? And there's there's always a double-edged sword with that stuff. And then the other thing is the level of certainty that you can feel with a person that they're right for you is one thing, but so many things can happen in life. And I don't say that because I think that anybody should be living in fear, but I think it's important to know when you're trying to manifest a person for that sense of certainty and stability that you can't manifest a person to give that to you. You have to find that feeling within yourself because nothing in life is certain. Yeah. If you, I mean, at the end of the day, if you want love, if you want happiness, be it, you know, be, it's be always love. a risk. Yeah. It's always a risk. Love is a risk. You have to be willing to be hurt. And I think that's one of the things that I've, even though I've been through so much hurt and heartbreak, I, I always find the strength to open my heart again because I, I know how good it feels Yeah, to share the love that I have within me with someone. I know how good that feels. And so I'm going to continue to try. And, you know, earlier last year, I got kicked on my ass for opening my heart and jumping into something, but I learned so much and I have no regrets because that relationship taught me so much about myself and what I really wanted and what I needed and how I was still attaching to things from a really shallow perspective. And so take the risk, take the risk. Cause what's the alternative, you know, being lonely, protecting yourself. But if, if you close yourself off to the negative emotions that you don't want to feel, you're also closing yourself off to love. Yeah. So then you're strong enough to get through anything even if it feels incredibly painful at the time. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, even if you end up on the fetal position <laughs> on the floor, we've all been house, there. <laughs> crying your eyes out. You get through it. You know, you know your strength after that. It's like, okay, cool. I get knocked down, but I can chumbawamba get up again. <laughs> yeah. What you know would Chumbawamba? you say to what, what did you say? Did you do you know Chumbawamba or did I just age myself? I have no perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. What would you say to somebody who is at that place where they feel pretty good with themselves? They feel that sense of wholeness and they want to start intentionally manifesting their person. I know you said kind of feeling into that feeling of unconditional love, but what does that look like? Yeah. I mean, the first thing that I would recommend is, is having clarity, you know, taking all the experiences that you've maybe had up until this point, you know, the relationships that you have been in or the relationships that you've witnessed and get really, really clear about what you want and make a list and write down every single quality attribute. I would try to stay away from physical things and just really focus on the qualities and the things you want to be doing with this person and the way that you want to feel. And after you've formulated a pretty good list, I think mine was like two pages front and back, (laughs) (laughs) but it's good. You want to have clarity about what you desire and take a look at that list and make sure that you are all of those things. You know, that that's really the work. It's like, do I have integrity? Do I keep my word to myself? Am I trustworthy? Am I adventurous? Am I all of these things? And if not, be honest with yourself and start little by little working towards being that person and embodying more of those characteristics. Mm -hmm. And there are going to be things that you're not going to be able to work on until you meet someone and have that experience together. But for the most part, I would try to become the person that you want to attract into your life and have that you don't have to have it all solved but to cultivate that level of self-awareness so that when the things do show up you can zoom out and say okay this is triggering one of my traumas from my childhood and I'm gonna explain that to my partner and open up to my partner and be vulnerable with them so that they can really start to understand me at a deeper level in this relationship and I'm actually curious why would you say to stay away from manifesting um, the physical attributes? Because I think that we get really hung up on these specific qualities that we can overlook the essence of a person based on the exterior. Yeah. And I have personally found that when you go solely for looks, you end up manifesting a lesson sometimes to Mm -hmm. realize that it's not just about what's on the surface. To me, I write, I want to be attracted to you. Right. I, I want to feel a, a, an attraction to that person that I'm with, but I'm not going to think that I know what's best for me mm. by solely placing the emphasis on physical attributes. It's like I, the person that comes into my life, I'm going to be attracted to him, whoever that is, or, you know, whatever that looks like, I'm going to be attracted to him. And it doesn't always look like the person that you have in your mind when it, when it comes in. So if you're attached to the physical, you can overlook what the universe is trying to bring into your life which is, is more depth and it's, it's deeper than just the surface appearance. Yes. I love that. That makes a lot of sense. I think it tricked sometimes the ego gets, it's like, Ooh, yeah. Look at this like hot person that makes me feel really (laughs) good about myself. It's like, but where's, is that truly underneath the surface, the type of person that you want? Right. Right. And it's not that you can't have it all. You can have a person that you are deeply attracted to, but sometimes your ego might convince you that that's really this like one specific thing. And 
I'm sure we we've all had this experience where we get into a re- we get into a relationship with someone who isn't at all someone we thought we would be attracted to. And for some reason, who they are at their essence is like, oh my God, our souls just clicked. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you're just attracting or wanting someone based on their looks, like that's going to go away. We age like the, the body is it's, it's not going to always look that way. So if that's what you're attached to, what happens when that fades? Are you still in love with the person that's underneath that? Yeah. Like, do you, are you still really in love with their soul and who they are at the core? Because that's going to take you through the longevity, I think of a relationship instead of just like, oh, this person's hot. They make me feel good about myself. My ego feels really good walking around with them, but I go to bed at night and I feel completely alone. Mm. Like that's the experience I, I had in my past relationships. Like, yeah, you're great to look at, but I, that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's that's all I'm getting out of this. So that's why I say that. It's like, yeah, you can have the physical, you can have the attraction, but just try not to limit yourself to specific attributes because your soul ultimately knows what's best for you. Yeah. I thought it was so interesting that you said that because for those of you who don't know Lindsay, I've never heard her say a limiting thing in my life. And at first when I heard that, I was like, oh, I wonder if that's going to feel limiting to some people. But the truth is that when we get hung up on that, it actually is limiting to the things that your soul is really after. And again, it's not that you can't have physical attraction and those things. It's about not letting your ego blind you to like all of the other things that are available to you just because in your head you think, oh, I should be with this specific person. Yeah. Blonde hair, blue eyes, <laughs> six, four. Like we don't have, we have these. Okay. Like You're, you are describing David though. <laughs> he is. He is my dream man. And always, um, <laughs> David, if you're listening, <laughs> I love you. Um, but like, imagine if someone is manifesting you solely by the way that you look and your looks begin to fade. It's like that, that feels really, I don't know. That just doesn't feel good. Like I wouldn't yeah. want someone to be attracted to me just because of the way that I look. That puts a lot of pressure on me to maintain an exterior that is, it, it has to, evolve. it's going to evolve. Yeah. I want someone to love me for me and my soul and who I am underneath and have maybe the physical be just like a bonus. Yep. But ultimately just, I would set the intention to be attracted to the person that you're with and let the universe bring to you what it ultimately knows you truly want. I love that. And I think that list and that visualization that you create in combination with imagining yourself just being held by that person, imagining yourself with that person and just taking some time every single day to kind of tap into that feeling as long as it feels good for you. And Mm -hmm. if anyone's interested, I created a hypnosis meditation that kind of guides you through that process. Um, But it's really just about entering into that feeling of why do I want to be with this person? What does it feel like? And just tapping into that sensation of unconditional love and what it feels like to be with your soulmate. We love it. And if you guys are interested, you can find it in the show notes to download, purchase, get Michaela's soulmate. It's like a soulmate accelerator. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it helps you to accelerate the process and really get in touch with those feelings. And um, it's just, it's really powerful. So thank you for thank creating you. that for the world. Mm-hmm. And thank you for this. Thank you for this conversation. And you know, for just giving us all some guidance around relationships and 
Um, I just, like I said before, I really look up to how you have handled and created your relationship and um, the way that you communicate and the way that you you guys are together. I think it's a, it's a fantastic model to follow. Um, Mm. And I just, I love you guys so much. Thank you. It feels, it feels very secure and very harmonious. And I want to share our path to that because like I said in the beginning, it wasn't all just smooth sailing. Um, and so if any of you guys have specific questions about that, specific questions about relationships in general, things that we've gone through, um, we're both pretty open books and we'd love to share with you and just receive what you're going through and help you through it at any point. So, um, the link for that is also in the show notes. Thank you guys so much for joining us today, being a part of the conversation, being here, this podcast, we have so much fun having these conversations with you guys, and we're excited for our next episode. We're going to be talking about our experiences with our bodies. <laughs> a long episode. It'll a probably long. have to be a couple of parts, but yes. both of us have struggled with body image and diet culture, fitness culture, eating disorders, all of those things that are so common for women and anyone to experience in our culture. So we want to really dive into how to free yourself from that and ultimately figure out if fitness, if diet, if my body worked in the exact way that I wanted it to work, if everything just felt flowing and easy for me to feel healthy and feel my best, what would that look like? And I know Lindsay has some really amazing tips on that, that have been so helpful for me and freeing myself. So I'm excited to share that too. It's going to be a good one. Thanks for joining us guys. We'll see you next time.